Hello and welcome to Wellbeing. I'm Iris Nichols. We often hear or read in the media that donations for blood are urgently needed. Sought because stocks are low, especially before a public holiday. For those who have never given blood, does this mean that we don't care, don't know what's involved, or maybe are just a little afraid of the whole thing? To tell us what is involved, I have with me in the studio Melinda Stevenson. Melinda is the marketing coordinator for The Hunter for the Australian Red Cross Blood Service. Melinda, thanks for coming in today and joining me. No worries, thanks for having me. First of all, what does your work involve? Well, I work for the Australian Red Cross Blood Service and we are the organisation responsible for the collection, processing and distribution of all blood and blood products in Australia. My role in particular involves ensuring the awareness um, in the community is out there because there is a continuous need for blood so that we make sure that there's enough out there so that people come in and donate on a regular basis so we can continue to supply the hospitals with the products they need to keep patients alive and improve lives of the people in hospital. Have you been doing this for very long? I have only been with the blood service for just over two years, but I do plan on being with them for um, a lot longer yet, and I'm still learning something new every day. Where did you come from? Was it a totally different job? It is. I was reasonably fresh out of university and had a part-time bar job. Can anyone give blood? Is there an age limit? Yes, there is an age limit. You do need to be aged between 16 and 70 to give blood. 16 and 17-year-olds will require parental consent on a form that's available from the blood service on our website at donateblood.com.au. And after the age of 70, you can continue donating up until 80 if you've made at least one donation before 70 and have a note from your doctor. All right, so it's um, a bit like, please, sir, can I go and give blood? Yes, (laughs) but the majority of the population it should be fine for. Someone who's never given blood has decided that now's the time they're going to do it. How do they find out where the nearest blood bank is and do they need an appointment? Yes, um, the best way to find out is to give us a call on 13 14 95. It's a toll-free number. Or you can visit our website at donateblood.com.au, click on where to donate, and that will also give you lots of other information as well. But also then on the 13 14 95, you can ask plenty of questions, especially of our medical officer, because there are often a lot of medications, operations and things like that that can stop people from donating. Is the unit only open during office hours? No, we do try and cater for all different lifestyles. So our centre in at Newcastle is open from 1pm to 8pm on Wednesdays and Thursdays and 8 till 4 Monday, Tuesday, Friday. Uh, Maitland is open Monday and Tuesday 1 till 7 and Wednesday, Friday 9 till 3 and Cessnock is Thursdays 2 till 7. And the Dynamobile that goes around to many locations in the Hunter, such as the University, hospitals, schools and large businesses and shopping centres and we have many varying hours for that one up to as late as 7.30pm and starting as early as 8.30 in the morning. Now you've mentioned about what's happening here in the Hunter as regards different areas. If people are not living in the Hunter or indeed not in the state, do they still ring the 13 14 95 number? They surely do. We have a call centre in each state but 13 14 95 directs them to the one correct for them. Now, I've heard that if you've got a, a business or a set of offices where people, as a group of people want to donate, there's actually a courtesy bus goes and picks them up and takes them along, takes them back to work afterwards. Does that happen all places or is it just Newcastle? Um, it does happen here in the Hunter and Newcastle is a big area. We do it in Maitland and Cessnock as well and on the Central Coast in Gosford, Wyong and Woi Woi. 
A lot of areas in the Sydney CBD and some of our smaller ones, but a lot of the small regional areas we find um, don't quite get that service because they are much smaller and don't have the capacity mm. to regularly fill a courtesy bus. Mm. How long does the procedure take so that they know if they're going to make an appointment they've got to allow a certain amount of time? So usually how long does it take? For your first donation, it will most likely be slightly longer because you'll have a little bit of extra paperwork, but it is generally about an hour. It can be a bit less if you've become a regular donor and you're pretty quick at filling in your forms by that stage and if you've got um, veins that pump your blood out quite quickly. Uh, But, yeah, most of the time it's about an hour and that involves the whole process of getting there, filling out your forms, seeing the nurse and having her prick your finger for your haemoglobin, making your donation and having your free refreshments. I guess I should ask you at this stage, is it painful? No, it's not painful. The way we like to say it is a little pinch on the inside of your arm near your elbow. That's all it's going to feel like. It's just a little prick and once it's in there you won't actually feel it and the needle's not actually in your arm for very long at all. Right. What's the criterion for giving blood? Yeah. Or to be able to give blood. The main factors that we um, tell people are that you do need to make sure you've had plenty to eat and at least four glasses of water or juice in the few hours before you come in. This is to ensure you'll feel really well afterwards and so keep you hydrated. On the day, you do need to also be feeling well. Weigh at least 45 kilos. Be age 16 to 70, as we said before. Bring some form of identification with you. If you've been a donor before, you can bring your donor ID card. Otherwise, a license is great or three points of ID if you don't have a license. Um, You can't be pregnant or have been pregnant in the last nine months or breastfeeding. And you can't be taking antibiotics or have taken in them in the last five days. You can't have had a tattoo in the last 12 months and you can't have been to the UK between 1980 and 1996 for six months or more. Why in England? Was this because of mad cow disease? It was. That was when it was sort of at its um, most dangerous stage. Mm. And while it's disappointing for many people, I know that did live there during that time and would love to donate because of um, Australia priding itself on having such a clean blood supply. That's the reason why we do restrict these Mm. people. Did they ever sort of get out of that area of time? You know, if they've been back in Australia for several years, does those precautions do they always stand it will always stand until they come up with a test for mad Mm. cow currently the only one they have is a brain biopsy done at um, post-mortem so i'm sure people don't want to go quite that length (laughs) to be able to donate blood but we have got our fingers crossed that um, there will one day be a test for it so that all these people can donate blood what about if you sort of feel you've got a cold coming on or, or the flu or something should they sort of postpone their appointment and come in later? Yes, we do recommend that if you aren't feeling well, especially a cold or a flu, that you do postpone and wait till you're feeling better. And if you took antibiotics while the, you were sick, you do need to wait that five days afterwards to start coming in to donate. And the big thing is to make sure you feel well on the day because it's all about your health. Like we appreciate all the blood donations we get for all the sick people in hospital, but because they are sick, they need to make sure the blood's completely clean. Mm. So what about certain medications other than antibiotics? Is there a restriction on that? There are plenty of medications that do inhibit you from donating blood, but there's also um, plenty of medications that you can still donate on. 
I would keep you here for days and days if I went through all of them. Plus, I'm not medically trained to tell you about all of them. So if anyone out there is on any medication, your best bet is to call 13 14 95 and talk to one of our medical officers and they can answer it for you. Can you take me through the procedure from the time a person walks into the unit until they leave? Yep. I sure can. It is recommended that before you come in, that you drink the plenty of fluids and have something to eat before you, in the four hours beforehand. And then once you're in there, you'll go in and fill out your donor questionnaire form. Then you'll go in for your confidential interview with a member of staff. Then they will check your hemoglobin level to make sure that's high enough and also take your bl- blood pressure. Then you go over and make your actual donation, which is 470 mils, and it takes about 10 minutes. And then afterwards is the best part of all. You get to relax and have a little refreshment. You have milkshakes and party pies and sandwiches and biscuits and jelly beans and things like that. So you really butter them up and say, come back. <laughs> we do. Well, it's, it's more of a thank you. And because we've taken um, 470 mils from your system, we need to replace that with something to make sure you'll feel fine. It's just really important to sit down for five to ten minutes after your donation so that you do feel well for the rest of the day. Melinda Stevenson is my guest today and we're talking about what's involved in giving a blood donation. Melinda, the media tells us that there are urgent supplies needed because of public holidays or whatever, but why should people give blood? Well, there are many reasons as to why people should give blood. And when you do hear those announcements, we are really in need. Um, We're not just saying it for the fun of it. There's plenty of people in hospital that are using blood products every day. Um, Some of the good examples I can give you is that blood has a shelf life. It doesn't last forever. And platelets, which are a major component of blood, and they're the ones we often call out for during public holidays because they only last for five days. So if we stop collecting blood for three days, then it really, really depletes our Mm. stocks. So first day back from a public holiday, we need to get lots of people through the doors to help replenish those stocks. And you will see that sometimes our donor actually go out on public holidays now to get those special donations that we really need for all the people in hospital. Um, the red cells, another component of your blood, actually only lasts for 42 do- days. So that's another one that we can't keep forever. So important for people to keep coming in. And the gift of blood does go a long way. It can help people such as cancer patients, heart or kidney diseases, burns and trauma victims, mothers having babies, and people needing life-saving transfusions. So there's many, many uses for the blood and the blood products that we do collect from people. And this time last year, we needed 20,000 donations every week in Australia to maintain an adequate blood supply. This year, it's actually up to 21,000 every week. So while that may not sound like a lot of an increase, it really is a lot of extra people that we need every Mm. single week to ensure that everyone in hospital is getting the blood and blood products they need. Um, And it is expected that in the next decade, they predict the demand for blood will double. So that's a pretty increase, pretty big statistic and um, we are hoping that we can encourage more and more people in the community to be aware of just how important donating on a regular basis is. Let's go back to you were saying about the, what the blood is, is used for. You talked about platelets and red blood cells. What are each of those used for? Yes, there are many components of blood and we, they are made up of the red blood cells the white blood cells, the platelets, and the plasma. And the platelets are primarily used for the chemotherapy patients, hemorrhages and leukemia, and they're often used to control bleeding. And this is the one that I mentioned before that we need a constant supply of, seeing as though they only last for that five days. And what about plasma? What's that used for? 
Plasma is the most versatile product of your blood, and we use that for many, many different things, often people with clotting problems after trauma or liver transplants. And some of the other products that we make from plasma are immunizations, treatment for liver failure, treatments for autoimmune disease, and treatments for haemophilia. And many more. <laughs> so it does go a long way in actual fact. You have 400, 470 mils? Yes, yeah. yes, your 470 yeah. mils does go a long way. Most yeah. blood donations are separated into the three different components. Not everyone has the same blood group. Can you tell me some of them? The commonest one, I guess, is um, what O positive? It sure is. Mm. Yeah, O positive is um, about 40% of the population, so that's a pretty common one. And the mo- least, the rarest, I guess you would call it, is AB negative with just 1% of the population. But we like to consider that all blood types are rare because they're always all in need and it's all relevant. Like if 40% of the population have that blood type, then there's more likely to be more people with that blood type in hospital needing blood products. And then with AB negative, less people with that um, blood type are likely to donate, but less are likely to need the products. So no matter what blood type you are, just remember that they are all always needed. How can you find out what your blood group is? Donate blood. (laughs) When you come in to donate blood, um, within two weeks, they will send you a card in the mail and that will have your blood type on it. It's actually a question we're often asked is, oh, I don't know my blood type. Can I still donate? And no, that's fine. We'll find that out for you. You don't need to know beforehand. Well, I was going to ask you, does it matter as far as the blood bank is concerned what group you are? But as you said, everyone is needed and, and no matter what group it is, it's used for that amount of people. It definitely is. It doesn't matter what type you are. The one thing you will sometimes hear us say, though, is O negative is known as the universal donor. Mm. And so that's what we use in trauma situations where we don't have time to test the person's blood type. So we can give them O negative because no one will have an adverse reaction to that. However, if the person was B positive and we gave them AB negative, then they can have an adverse reaction. So that's why O negative is a really important um, blood type because we can give it to anyone in a trauma situation. It gets quite complex when you think about it, doesn't it? It can get quite complex, but we like to keep it simple for our donors. And if you're interested in all the information, we're happy to give it to you. Otherwise, it's the simple process of coming in, filling your forms in, making your donation have some refreshments. What happens to the blood that's not used? How is it destroyed or, I mean, Mm -hmm. what do you do with it? On the very, very, very rare occasion that blood isn't used, but I must tell you that these are very, very rare occasion, it is destroyed just as any other hospital waste would be in a um, very safe way. Oh, right. But so basically it doesn't happen. Yeah. But if it has a, a limited shelf life, once that shelf life is finished, you know, if once it's gone over that, is it very often that you have spare that you need to dispose of? Um, no, it's really quite rare. Even though it does have a shelf life, because demand for it is so high, we, we, we mm. are always using it before it does um, finish its shelf life. And does each city or, or major town sort of have their own storage area where, you know, does it just go all to the hospitals or is it kept somewhere else for them before it goes up there? No, it do, most of it does all go away for testing first and then they try and keep it, send it back to um, the hospitals in the area where it was collected. Obviously in certain situations where major trauma or something may occur, they will transport the blood to different hospitals in different locations but um, the majority of it is kept with the hospitals but some of the blood service facilities will actually keep mm. it Many of our blood services are actually located at hospitals. 
you often see on the roads the, the little cars or vans and they've got urgent blood supplies. Um, is this sort of taking off to have it tested or delivering it to the hospital after it's been tested? Well, that's actually the pathology department. I believe a lot of that blood that they have is people's blood tests and different oh, right. things. Yep. That's so it's, actually... it's quite different from, from what we're talking about. In it is, Japan. yeah. The Red yeah. Cross Blood Service, you'll see some of our big trucks and things there what transport our blood. Yeah. You're listening to Wellbeing. I'm Iris Nichols, and I'm talking today with Melinda Stevenson, Marketing Coordinator for the Hunter Region of the Red Cross Blood Bank. Melinda, maybe I should have asked earlier, and, and I did to some extent about pain um, when you give blood, but after the blood's been given, do the people feel faint? Are they likely to feel faint? or No, very, very few people are likely to have this sort of situation. Occasionally, and I mean very occasionally, people do feel weak afterwards, but that's why we really insist that people eat a lot and drink lots of fluids before they come in, water or juice, steer clear of the coffee and Coke because mm. the caffeine in that will dehydrate you. And I know a lot of us do rely on our morning coffee or caffeine hit, but if you are donating blood, it's best to steer clear of it for at least six hours beforehand. Fill yourself up on water and juice, a bit of food, and that's also why we give you something to eat and drink afterwards as well to help replenish your stocks and make you feel well afterwards. But, yeah, it's majority of people walk out of there feeling fine. No and worries. I guess all the staff are trained if someone does keel over on the doorstep as, as on, they go. <laughs> on the very, very rare occasion that someone may faint, the nurses are very well trained to deal with that and help you and, um, yeah, get you back on your feet very quickly. So listening to that, it sounds like that, there really isn't anything to be worried about if you're going to give blood. No, that's correct. A lot of people do say they're a bit scared of the needle or the process of fainting, mm. all sorts of different little reasons. And after they give their first donation, I've spoken to so many people that say, I don't know what I was so worried about. It's really quite easy. <laughs> so yeah, if you are just that little bit scared, come on in and try it. It's really not that bad. Or even if you just want to come into a donor centre and watch the process to see what happens. Often that's enough for people to go, oh, yep, that's not so bad. I'll come in and do it myself. So you could actually go in and sort of stand there almost as a spectator first. You can if you'd like to, yes. The only part you can't actually watch is the interview because that's confidential Mm. between the donor and the Mm. nurse. But everything else you can have a bit of a watch if you'd like. Oh, that sounds interesting. It is. (laughs) How often can people donate? You can donate blood every 12 weeks. So it means four times a year. So four hours out of a year we think probably isn't too much to ask. Mm. If you did, however, want to donate plasma, which is um, one of the components from the blood uh, by itself, you can do that every two weeks. You just need to have made at least one whole blood donation prior Mm. to that. And that's because we give you back your red cells while you're sitting there. And so that's why you can donate it every 12 weeks because your energy is in your red cells. Okay. I've question I've heard um, from people, I don't give blood, you never know what you're going to catch. <laughs> can you catch anything? No, you most definitely cannot. And I know there are stories out there. And many, many years ago, there have, were like a couple of incidents, but it has not happened in Australia for a really long time. Now, we do. We pride ourselves on having the cleanest blood supply in the world. And we can guarantee that when you come in, you will not catch anything. Every needle we use is used once only and then it is discarded. We don't ever use a needle twice, so you can guarantee that that's a fresh, clean needle that's used on you. Is there anything that donors are restricted in doing immediately after giving blood? I mean, they go back to the office or go home or whatever. Um, Are there any restrictions in that time period? 
Just a few. Like you said, yeah, you can go back to work, back to school, um, back to your classes, which all our students are always very happy to hear. <laughs> but the only thing they do recommend you steer clear of is excessive exercise. So if you have a main, tra- a big training session or you're planning on a big workout at the gym, skip, maybe skip it that day or do it the day before or something like that. Organize it for a day when you're not doing it. Or if your job entails heavy lifting or driving heavy machinery, you do need to steer clear of that for at least 12 hours as well. So other than that, whatever other than goes. That, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yep, everything else is normal. What about mums picking up children, you know, physically picking them up, but picking up babies? No restrictions yep, on that? No, no restrictions on that. I mean, maybe not pick up, you know, 12-year-olds and the bigger <laughs> kids because that would probably be considered heavy lifting, but small children, it's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. We've talked about how people can get in touch with the blood service and that's 13 14 95 will you give me again the website that they they can go to if you're interested in finding out information on that it's donateblood.com.au donateblood.com.au as easy as that easy as that type it in then it's a very user-friendly website and click on where to donate and what is it about like why should i give blood you can see recipient stories um, there's yeah, there's just so many. There's lots of different programs. We have a youth program. We have a corporate program. All sorts of wonderful, interesting information on there if you're interested in becoming a blood donor. Now, we mentioned right at the beginning that people can find out where their nearest blood bank is by ringing 131495. What about going through telephone directories and white pages red p- and yellow pages and those things? Yes, you can actually do that. Um, we have got all of our donor centres um, around the country listed in them and also if you go to um, whereis.com and you're looking up a map you can actually choose to find you know car parking stations or shopping centers and mm. another thing you can actually choose to find is donor centers so if you want a map then that you can do that as well but also on the website it can give you very direct instructions and exact addresses for where all of our donor centers are and where all of our donor mobiles are going to be visiting in the next 60 days I think you also put things in often in the newspapers or, or through the other media that the donor mobile will be at a certain location. So there really isn't any excuse for people, I don't know where to find it, is there? No, we really think that there shouldn't be because we do try to ensure that all of our local media always have our schedules of where we're going to be so they can let their listeners know. We get in the papers when we can. We put it on our website. We put up posters in the area of where it's coming up to in the next couple of weeks. So here at the university, we'll be here. So all across the uni, we've got up some posters and we're going to have flyers on tables and things. Um, but yeah, and same with when we go to shopping centres, we have all the shops and things put up posters. So people should be able to see it in their own area when it's coming round. And obviously, that's uh, you would go to all the universities, both here in New South Wales and, and other other yep, states. We do visit mm-hmm. most universities across the country. I can't tell you exactly about all the other yeah. states, but I do know you have a Sydney ones and the Arimba University campus mm-hmm. and things like that. Yep, we visit all of them. Belinda, is there anything else you think I should know if I was considering becoming a donor? No, I think we've probably covered pretty much everything. It's just, um, yeah, your donateblood.com.au is going to probably answer most of your questions. Mm. And if you can't actually find anything on there, please feel free to call us on 13 14 95 and any other questions that you can ha- do have will be answered there. Is there any fee for 
giving blood? Do they have to to pay to come in? Or, or? no, definitely not. <laughs> we um, appreciate it so much that people volunteer their time to come in. That there's no way we would ever charge anyone. And so where we sort of see it the other way around, which is why we like to give a nice little refreshment. Um, snack and drink to people afterwards and then on special occasions sometimes we give out little things like on valentine's day which we just had we had little chocolates in the centers for people that donated on that day so little added incentives at certain times of the year as well it sounds like you've got all the items covered and uh, and that you're always waiting for people to come in and i hope you get lots of new donors as a result of this program Well, thank you very much. I hope I do too. I really appreciate all the time you've spent with me today. Melinda Stevenson, Marketing Coordinator for the Red Cross Blood Service in The Hunter, has been my guest today. I'm Iris Nichols, and I'd like to thank you for listening, and I hope you can join me again for another edition of Wellbeing. Until then, from all of us here, we wish you well.